On today's episode, a conversation between me and my father-in-law about buying a vacation home. Uh, I'm coming to you from a vacation home, a beach house to be more specific, in uh, the panhandle of Florida. And I'll be talking to, again, my father-in-law. His name is John Breitenfeld, Papa Jay in our world. And I've probably been a part of his family for 21 years now. Uh, Johnny is the chief revenue officer of Percona, and which is a database software and sales, uh, no, service company, sorry. And uh, well, he's at a place in his life where he's able to decide, do I want to plunk down dough for a beach house for my family and for friends, or do I want to do other things with money? So I thought it'd be an interesting conversation to talk to him about the mechanics of buying a vacation home and what he sees as the benefits. That's coming up. And this is Abraham's Wallet. Join us weekly and create a culture in your family of multi-generational prosperity, spiritually, relationally, physically, intellectually, and financially. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. So, hi Johnny. Hi Steve, how are you? Good, thanks for having me to Florida. What's sure. Man? And uh, we're, we're in this little wonderland that you carved out for your family and I would like to talk to you about it. So, uh, first of all, did you come from a family where something like a vacation home would have been normal? No. Beyond, beyond anything that anybody thought of. Um, yeah, we were lower middle class and, and uh, my parents never, we never even went. Vacation for us was going to family and other, yes. you know, and, and, and 100 miles away, 200 miles away. I'm very familiar. Yes, I spent many summers in uh, scenic B-Dyes, Texas with aunts and uncles and thought, that's that's a vacation. But we were in Huntsville or Atlanta for ours. Okay. So, um, well, that's a really interesting story that I think a lot of people uh, sympathize with is being in a place where you're making decisions with money that you never saw modeled for you in your family. Can you give us just an idea of the like trajectory of your whole career? Um, it's been all over the place. I've made money and lost money and uh, I've been up and been down and learned to be content in either circumstance, which uh, I think is important and uh, not always been wise uh, with money and uh, have certainly learned a lot over the years and it's one of the things that and my dad was neither parent went to college my dad was a tv announcer never made much but they never spent much and they grew up in the you know the greatest generation who were very frugal um and um so they lived on i mean they lived well within their means <laughs> and and didn't have to worry about things uh, but they also didn't desire or go out and, and do right stuff so um, it w it's been a little bit of trial and error and, um, and maturing and learning from mistakes over the years. So I, you might not be able to pinpoint this, but when did the idea of maybe we could have a second place come into your mind? Um, Molly, my wife wanted, um, a lake house for years and years and years. And, um, I just, it never even crossed my mind that we could, I knew income wise, we could 
could afford a second mortgage because um, we were way, way below the percentages that they right. recommend and, and things along those lines. But um, it just never even crossed my mind. And then um, what happened is when our daughter, our youngest, went to college, um, we offered, we asked some friends at a condo in Auburn if um, we could stay there. And they said, well, for, for campus visit, and they said, for sure, but we're going to put it on the market because their son was getting ready to try to go on the pro golf tour. And my wife said, would we be interested in buying it? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to, because I, I always wanted a place in Auburn and with a daughter going there for four, five years, and ended up being, um, I felt like it would, um, would be great. And um, so we ended up buying that place and that was our first foray into a second, second place. Okay. And um, in, it was a non-rental place. We didn't rent it out at all. But it was well within our means, um, and we were able to enjoy it several, so quite a few weeks out of the year, and for football games and other things, like plus years in college. And uh, it was great to be able to go the 700 miles away um, and see her. But after she graduated, then we started thinking about, and quite a bit of equity had been uh, um, had been added to, to the house, so we th started thinking about a place and my wife asked about what about 30a on in florida is a second home there and so we started to look and um thinking that it's probably a crazy time to buy because the mortgage rates were exceptionally low but it was a real hot market down here uh, but we went and looked anyway and we found a place that we loved it and were able to uh, to afford and um we just thought and prayed a lot about it just decided you know, we're not getting any younger, and this is something we would love to do for our family and for ourselves. Um, and if we want to retire here, it'd be a great place. If we don't, um, which I don't know that we want to leave our grandkids that far away, right? Um, we'll keep it. And if we ever needed to sell it, we felt like we could if we needed to. Uh, do you know how old you were when you bought this place? 62. 62. There's a lot of things that one can do with the wealth that you've built up over a career, the safest thing would be to stick it in the market and buy some safe index fund and never touch it. And uh, it's turned out to be, uh, I'll let you talk about this later, but it's turned out to be, as far as a financial move goes, a really good one. But um, it was a bit of a risk to say, we're going to buy a beach house with a um, significant chunk of wealth. So why? Besides your wife saying that she wanted to. All investments are at risk. And, sure. and, um, and uh, we felt like 30A was a great, uh, a good, as good as you can in terms of real estate risk. Mm -hmm. And we felt like we were getting a really good price on the home that we found. And um, just uh, decided that, you know, we didn't think there was a ton of downside. And there was potential upside, not as much as, uh, or we, we didn't anticipate as much as there has been so far, but of course that could change at any point in time as well. But so far, even with interest rates, um, the value continues to go up around eight, nine, 10% a year. <clears throat> and it's uh, the first first year was probably 30%. So, um, so we've been real fortunate. Talk to me a little bit about the building the culture of your family <clears throat> and what value has it been to you bring your family to Florida for vacations for years, 
what's the value of we're going back to the same place it's our place you can customize it you can personalize it and we're going back to the same place every year well for us it's time we can stay a lot longer it is a place that we love to go so when we did it we we did it understanding that this would probably be probably be our primary vacation spot versus bouncing around all over the place yeah um, but we've come here so consistently over the years uh, and we always, you know, come for a, a week, sometimes two weeks. Um, and it's crazy expensive to come for that long for, for a house for our entire family. So, and that was part of the equation, you know, yeah. saving 10, you know, you know, over $15,000 on vacation and that go, that'll go a long way towards, towards, you know, your, your, um, expenses in terms of a, of a beach house and you have the ability to not only rent it out when you're not here, but to use it a lot more. So we're here maybe 4X, 5X, 6X um, more than we were prior to having a place. And we also can let our family and our friends use it for anywhere from free to, to you know, great price for our friends yeah. um, and free for our family. Basically. Yeah. I'll speak for myself and say that our growing children to be able to come to this same place where we're meeting with aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins every year. And they want to do the same things every year. And they want to go to the same places every year. And they want to double down on these memories. You know, well, that's the place that we found the crab. Let's go look for a crab again this year. I'm sure everybody's had that experience. But to come back to the very same house over and over again, it has this, it, it, it creates these ruts of memories that, that are awesome, that, that we love. Okay. Well, when you bought the place, um, were you thinking from the outset, we'll use it as a, as a rental property that we'll rent out as well as it'll play, be a place where we come. My wife would have loved to not rent it out, but, um, based on, you know, how much we were spending and stuff, I told my wife that, um, we can either not have a house or we're going to have a house or we're going to have a So, um, so she, uh, reluctantly agreed to rent it out. And, um, we, um, we typically rent it maybe 25 weeks or, or less a year. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we try to rent during the super high seasons when we wouldn't want to be here as much anyway, because it's so crowded. Um, and weather wise, it's a lot warmer. So we'll typically come before spring break, after spring break, um, busy period, uh, we'll come in May and then we'll come in August, September, October, and sometimes in the winter time as well. Mm -hmm. So, and those are some of the best months to actually be here anyway. So we ended up recouping a fair amount of our expenses, not all of them, but a, a fair amount of our expenses and gives us a, a nice set of tax deductions. Um, plus the appreciation. Well, not the memories. Plus the memories. <laughs> so it's nice that, um, I've never really considered this, that the high season when you can get the most for the house is also the season when you least want to be here. Typically for me, uh, yeah, at, at least. Uh, um, and this year my wife wanted to come for a month. So we took three weeks of the high season um, out of the, the booking and, and let us uh, come here. So she had a girls weekend and then we had a week and then family week. Um, and then another week after that, but it's starting to be low season now, but, um, so, so we don't have a hard rule that we're always going to rent it out during all the hard seasons. Yeah. You, know, you typically come, uh, the first week of the, of the high season. Um, yes. And when school's out, 
and so so we uh, we do that as well. But we try to keep keep it rented. Uh, like if friends was friends that we would normally give a super deal to if they want to come Fourth of July week, we'll give them a little bit of a discount. But you're gonna ah, we're not gonna. So it's a vicious vacation, right? Right, right. Too, too, too much for that. You've been in your primary residence how many years? Um, twenty-six. Okay. Do, do you are you still paying a mortgage on that? I have. I've, we've done a fair amount of remodeling over the years, so I, st- I still have a mortgage. It's pretty small, but okay. You could kill it if you wanted to today. So yeah, our interest rate's super low, so I don't. Fabulous. Yeah, as long as you're with anybody. Rule of thumb is as long as you're earning income, you want the tax benefits of having a mortgage. That's just good rule of thumb. So is your mortgage on this place higher than your primary residence? Yeah. And the interest rate is going to be worse. For a one, because you get dinged for it being a second home. You can, you don't get the same interest rate. And then I presume that the were the rates higher when you bought this place than when you did your last refi on your primary residence? No, I, in fact, we're at three, two on this house. So it's, um, um, this, I mean, this house would be double, um, over two and a half X, even with 20, 25% down. I think we put 25% down. Uh-huh. So. Wow. And so it's amazing to think what, what value there is we, we beg and plead people to watch interest rates. And when interest rates are low, if they're over one or one and a half percent, refi your house just because that the difference in your monthly payment can really change your financial picture. So if you had to refi this place, you, you would presumably, you would, you would be able to capture a lot of the equity that's gain since you've been here, but you wouldn't get the interest. You wouldn't get three and a half percent. No chance. Three by two. Yeah, for sure. This kind of seaside area, if people don't know what 30A is, it's between Destin and Panama City. And this this little stretch that's 13 miles long? 14. 14 miles long, very desirable, lots of resorts along here. And so this real estate is really valuable. And you've told us that it's gone up dramatically since you bought the place. Can you tell us how big is this place? How many bedrooms and what did it cost you? Yeah, it's three bedrooms, three baths, 1500 square feet, um, air conditioned and it has 900 square feet, um, of decking, um, screened in porches on the upstairs and the downstairs, and then a, an unscreened back porch. That's not part of that 900 square feet. And we bought it at 875. And, um, like I said, we put. I think around 25% down and, um, then it's appreciated in the two years, at least on Zillow and Reddit and all the different uh, real estate things. It, it should sell around one, four, one, five, if we were to, to sell it today. That's amazing. And I'm not doing the math in my head as you're talking, but you said you, you rented out 25 ish weeks a year and how much of your mortgage does that cover? 70% on it. Okay. 80. So okay. It's, it's a, it's a good chunk. Well, it's great. If you're getting all that, you're getting all that appreciation, you're getting really unlimited time that you want to spend here. You get all the time that you want and you're not really paying the full price that you would, that right. you would be for the place. And, um, you guys, you guys have done a lot of improvements since we've, uh, been coming to this place, which has been how long now? 
Two years in last July. So wow. Can't see what a half year is. What they go? July seventh, they're closed. Gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's working really well right now, and I'm thinking of your mortgage at home. You're 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 kind of doing the shell game here with. I'm making a decision about how much I want it to be rented out. I don't want it rented out all the time. I kind of like this balance that you have. How, what do you think of this place going forward? What do you think in 10 years? I, I don't know. Um, we really haven't gotten that far. Um, when we're totally ready to retire, um, we could have, have a decision to make. Do we live here? Do we stay, stay in Plano? Um, and take take the equity out of one or one or both right. places. Um, I don't think we'll need to do that, or or, or it would be a huge um, huge need. I think we'll be set up pretty well. Um, are we going to be set up well enough where we're going to keep you know two places and 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 want to maintain two places? I'm not sure. So right now, not in. Uh, I don't have any decision made. We're going to sell it or we're going to keep it forever. Yeah, um, it's we're in a great place right now, and um, you know I don't see the market cratering at all. So I think we're in a position where we could sell it whenever we right whenever you want. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, when I think of maintaining a place that is how many hundreds of miles from your home? Seven hundred and sixty something. Yeah. <laughs> and you probably know exactly how long it takes to drive and fly to get here. Um, so when you think of this place, your home in Plano, and you think of the place uh, at, at, and sees at Santa Rosa Beach, mm -hmm. at Santa Rosa Beach, do you think uh, that's kind of a fun project that I like improving it and considering what we can do with a place? Or does it seem like this responsibility that you, does it, is a fun project or something like, we got to take care of that place? It's a little bit of both, but more fun than, than not. Um, so when stuff breaks, like a, a washing machine stopped draining um, and a renter was there, friends of ours, but still you want, you have to get stuff fixed immediately. So sometimes, you know, that's a pain. Um, so when, when things break, but normally like the project stuff is fun. Um, yeah. The, the difference though, is there's always a project. So when you come, you, you, you try to try to decide, am I coming to work on the place? So I try to set aside time to come when it's not a vacation. Uh, typically it's me or it might be me and you or me and, you know, uh, our, our other son-in-law and things like that. But, um, at the end of the day, try to separate that out. So when I'm vacationing, I can truly vacation and not worry about all the little thing. Um, but that's a hard line to, to do when you have your own place. And if you have, right. you know, people have little lake house and and boats and what jet skis and stuff, something's always needing work. And yeah, you know, a beach house is the same way in Florida with, um, you know, storms and rain and, and just stuff happen and it's, uh, stuff happens. So, um, but try to separate that out and it's, it's largely fun, but it is different than just renting a place and not having none, not worrying about it. For sure. Yeah. Probably the people that are, are watching or listening to this, it's not something they're going to do next week, but they're thinking about whether it's an ambition of theirs in 15 years. Yep. And so that's why I like to talk about the benefits of it, um, not just for you, but for your family, for like generations, everybody that's part of your extended family, there's a lot of benefits, but there's, you got to consider all of the yep. responsibilities as well. Yeah. So before you give us any last thoughts of wisdom, I'm just wondering, 
I'd like to, I'll put up some, some of your stock photos that are online. Tell us how people, if they want to rent your beach house, how would they do that? It's so cute. My mother-in-law is an expert at decorating this place. So cute and fun. Matter of fact, the name of the house is Have Fun. If you find it online, where, where would they find it? Well, kismet.com uh, or kismet38.com is our property manager. They actually live a couple of doors down in this neighborhood. Um, we have a, um, a Verbo uh, link as well, but renting directly through kismet38.com and the Have Fun house you can find. Um, and I, I'll certainly give you the link to that directly Great. so you can post. We'll put in our show notes. Yeah. And if they're friends of yours and, and folks that you know, they can also call us directly and we can we can uh, talk to our property manager and do a little bit better on the price. Oh, also, well, 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 well. Any other thoughts or advice on people who are considering, well, maybe, you know, they're 35 years old and they're thinking, well, in 20 years, this is something like I'd like to work toward. Plan for it. Um, and I didn't really plan for it. I um, not sit here saying I'm the most financially astute person in the world by any means, shape or form. But, um, but if you do it, make sure it's within your means and, and um, make sure um, that you're not um, taking undue risk because real estate isn't as liquid as a lot of other things are. So, and it can go up and it can go down. Sure. Um, so um, try to make sure you're getting a good deal. Try to make sure that you're, if you do something like this, that it's something that you can afford. Yep. Um, and um, that it's something that you really will enjoy. You don't want to do these things spur of the moment. Um, it, it needs to be something that's thought out. And for us, it was thought out over a long period of time. We vacationed here for a long period of time. Yeah, so right. You knew the area. We knew the area. We knew we wanted to be here. Um, and we were able to do it. So we did. Yeah. Well, Johnny, thank you for your time. Right. Thank you for right. letting me pick your brain. And thank you for having us out to Florida. That's again. And you bet. Have fun. But wait, there's more. Hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation with Papa Jay. And personally, I like the idea that I might be able to use rental income to offset the cost of family vacation property in the future. It sounds great uh, for something to shoot for in the next, uh, I don't know, 10 years for me. Um, but before we go, with the time we've got left, here's what we're going to do today. You might have heard Mark in the last few months refer to a project called What the Church? And uh, some of you who are longtime listeners might appreciate the fact that over the years, I have sometimes borrowed the time of Abraham's wallet to rant a little bit about the state of Christianity, uh, what's happening in church life. And my main concern there as a, as a, I guess I'm a career pastor at this point, um, would be the places that the church is leaving its biblical moorings so that we can uh, chase the culture and chase the approval of the uh, the modern American. So we just decided, why don't we give that its own space? So we've done that with a new podcast called What the Church? Exclamation point, question mark. What the church? And this is just a place for me to uh, talk about all of the places where I think uh, we're missing something. And um, sometimes I'm a little put out, but it's more of a heart of concern. 
And so it's just a little place to do little bite-sized 10 minute, 15 minute uh, little hits on various topics that I think we're, where we're missing, we're missing the beat. So we're gonna play you an excerpt from one of those early episodes today. Uh, it goes without saying that if this is something you'd be interested in, we would love uh, you to subscribe. Um, you'll find us at all the places that you find Abraham's Wallet. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to be on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify and all those places. So um, here it is, uh, just, just about a 10-minute excerpt from an episode I did uh, called Put a Little Hate Into Your Heart. That provocative title um, is meant to uh, raise an eyebrow. And the idea being, we are so positive, we are so addicted to positivity that we fail to see. And we're so, um, I would say that we're, we have been polarized by a culture that tells us, oh, you mustn't ever be a hater. And yet there's plenty of good, healthy hate in the scriptures. So I'm trying to put that idea forward. So without further ado, here's an excerpt from What the Church. So if your goal is to be seen as the most positive or the most loving place on earth, you simply can't tolerate hand-wringing over sin or over this sin-loving culture that we live in. Matter of fact, you can't tolerate negative negativity towards sin much at all. And, and, and the response from the pop church is like, don't you love the people in, in this culture? Don't you, don't you have a heart for the city? Don't you love the culture are you a drum roll are you a are you a hater oh no now we've done it one of the great taboos of modern culture we mustn't ever be accused of being a hater oh now allow me to blow your brains a little bit by reading uh from a very old newspaper to you and telling you that hatred is a biblically supported posture. Just sit on that for a second because it's so ground-shaking in these days. Hatred is a biblically supported posture or emotion or belief or whatever. It just is. It is. And before I go there, let me just set something up. I love my wife. And I'm committed to my marriage. And that doesn't mean that I'm happy with her all the time or that I feel romantic toward her all the time. No. What it means is that I have, when I say that I love my wife, that I'm committed to my marriage, it means that I have an ultimate commitment toward my wife. It's the Bible word is a covenant. I am completely united and devoted to the ends of my wife and my marriage. That kind of love brings with it, married to it, connected to it, a whole battery of hates. I hate anything that would threaten her. Doesn't that stand to reason? I hate anything that would threaten our relationship. I would hate any woman who would want to sway me away from my wife. I would hate any man who would want to sway my wife away from me. I would hate pornography or anything that would threaten our union in any way. And yes, 
That would include phones sometimes and TV shows sometimes and work obligations sometimes. Anything that would threaten our uh, pure and unfettered communication. My hatred is as present and ready at all times as my love is for my wife. They're, they're, they, they're part and parcel with each other. There's not endless positivity. There are things where, oh, things are going great. Wait, something is threatening this. Suddenly my face changes. I change my posture and we have to deal with this external thing. Or maybe there's something inside us that we have to deal with. Because if I'm for my marriage, I'm against anything that's anti my marriage. And I'll apply that hatred anywhere that I need to. For instance, in Malachi 3, God says that he hates anything that would threaten covenant. He hates violence. He hates threats against marriage covenants. He hates divorce. And he hates anything that threatens the covenant he has with his people. Okay? Now, the reason I started thinking about this whole topic is that I was reading in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1, and it says this about Jesus. You love what's right, and you hate all evil. Therefore, so because of this love and this hate that are connected, you love what's right and you hate what's evil. Because of that love and that hate, God sets you on high above all your companions and he anoints you with joy. That is such a striking passage in these days. I'll just read that quick verse again. You love what's right. Speaking of Jesus, you love what's right. And you hate all evil. Those are two sides of the same coin, as I've already illustrated. Therefore, because of that love and hate, God sets you on high above all your companions, and he anoints you with joy. I have to say, considering Jesus's perfect hate for evil, there's a lot to hate that's going on these days. There, there just is. How about the absence of justice for criminals? That's becoming a regular story in our country. Someone commits a crime, they don't have to pay the penalty for that crime. How about the murder of babies? Um, that that well, Praise God for the overturning of Roe versus Wade, but there are still people who are clenching fists and gnashing teeth that we should be able to kill babies in the womb, and that uh, argument that debate happens all over our country. How about little children who are lied to about who they really are and what God has declared about them in their DNA? Is that, is that worth getting angry about? What about people believing lies regarding their value, their worth before God? There's, there's a whole bunch of young people, their stories are strewn all over social media who they don't see the value in their own lives. They don't see the value in family life and having children. And those people have been lied to. They have been deceived and they are deceiving themselves. Is that not evil? Is that worth getting a little upset about? How about people who say that man is an intelligent animal and nothing more? That we're just kind of, uh, we just happen to be at this moment in time, the top of the food chain. And uh, we really don't deserve the space that we're taking up on planet Earth. And uh, really the most important thing 
is what some would call the health of the planet, et cetera. Uh, th- that is, there is a lowering of the value of man, which could be its own episode. There's a lowering of the value of man, which is worth getting upset about because it's wrong. It's evil. Okay. Um, and these people say that we, we actually serve the planet instead of the planet serving us. What about the belief that man's prosperity through commerce and profitable trade is somehow malignant? that it's wrong for families to prosper, for business to prosper. These are lies. And let me just ask you, as I'm considering Jesus in Hebrews chapter one, do you hate what's evil? No, really. Are you like Jesus in this way? We talk about being like Jesus, and we usually think being kinder, which is a great thing. We usually think of sacrificing for others. That's a great thing. Um, I don't know if you think of, him dressing down um, leaders, uh, community leaders and religious leaders in Matthew 25 uh, or many other places, really. There's many chapters given to him dressing down uh, civic and religious leaders. I don't know if you think about him braiding uh, a whip together to go clear out the temple when you think of being more like Jesus. How about this thing, being more like Jesus? Hating what's evil. Do you hate what's evil? Do you hate it? Jesus does perfectly. He hates evil perfectly. And his father absolutely adores this about him. Do you just go, well, people are confused. Let's help them. Or do you set your ever-loving face against the bitterness and the lust and the rebellion and the pride and the envy and the perversion that's all around us in these days? Compassion isn't the reaction. I like compassion. It's a good thing. But compassion is not the reaction to evil. Hatred is the reaction. Not even ambivalence is the reaction of the disciple of Jesus. God reads Jesus' hatred of evil as love for him. I'll say that again because it's so very true. God reads Jesus' hatred of evil as love for him because it's part of loving what's good, loving what's holy. And you simply won't be taught this by the pop church. It does not sell to their target audience. So they're not even going to teach you to have this godly attitude. And I'll ask it again. Is there an appropriate level of hatred in you? Yes, I mean hatred of evil. Is there enough hatred in your local church? I don't mean that you're constantly raving about the ills of society, but yes, sometimes you should absolutely be raving against the ills of society. Otherwise, our families drink down the cultural poison. Our children absorb what's championed in media and in entertainment and in the public schools. Yikes. Yes, even in the church, they absorb these things. And you and I can be shaped by this kind of blithe, pleasant, neutral acceptance of that, which is not neutral, and it's not acceptable to those who are truly devoted to the king. Because like like a a good-looking, seductive woman who wants to draw a husband away from his marriage covenant, these things are evil because they want to draw us away from the pure faith, the pure word of God. Um, a love of him. Hey, if you liked this content, 
be sure to like it and subscribe and share it with somebody. And remember, no matter how you're doing and leading your family, God's love for you is huge and his grace is planted.